once again, ladies and gentlemen, live from the Bell Tower, this is the Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. We are starting just a little bit late tonight, half an hour late. I don't even consider that late. No, it's not late. It's I, still, sun's still out. Yeah, usually when I, I say I'm going to be somewhere, half an hour late is on time for me. Right. So, Great so time. The reason why we're kicking off a little bit late is because we have a very special guest tonight. Back again is uh, Lions of Liberty... Um, host John Odermatt. He hosts what used to be known as Felony Friday is now known as um, Finding Freedom Podcast. So um, he's going to be joining us in about 10 minutes to uh, talk once again about another contested police shooting incident, which is obviously the, the Derek Chauvin trial that we just wrapped up, what, like four days ago, five days yeah, ago, you yeah. think? <clears throat> Thursday, I believe, right? Yeah, something like that. So <clears throat> I wanted to get him being a cr- criminal justice uh, minded guy I, I he was the first person I reached out to to ask his opinion on the whole verdict of the Derek Chauvin trial and then after he gave me his opinion I sidelined him with come on my show and talk about it right. and and he's like yeah sure sure mm-hmm. I'll be there so he's gonna be on like I said in about 10 minutes we'll be joined by him so look forward to getting his opinion on that whole verdict the whole trial everything that's surrounding the trial maybe even talk about some of these other police shootings that have happened in the last couple weeks and and it was funny because uh like we talked about yesterday at the on the weekend wrap-up that we were like you know this is this is you know really controversial if we talk about this Mm -hmm. and then we were both like quiet for five seconds and then i was like we have to talk about this we gotta talk about yes definitely it's not i mean it's controversial and we don't shy away from controversial topics it's just maybe possibly our opinions on the whole whole verdict of it yeah might rub some feathers wrong but that's not reason for us to not share our opinions of it and but i think there are there are more people than what you think that uh, have our opinion, but they're too afraid to say anything. And part of that is because of this this perception of mob rule. Yeah, the mob um, mentality. Making the... the decision of what the verdict should be, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, people we've talked to, you know, ha- have been like, well, well, it's got to be like this or else this is going to happen. And but that's like, not... That's, that's not the law. That's not how it should right. happen. Right, exactly. It, he shouldn't go to jail just because the mob... Yeah would um, riot and burn down the, the country right. because yeah. of it. And I'm not saying he shouldn't be in prison. Right. I'm not saying he's not a scumbag and he's not a piece of shit. Right. I'm saying the whole idea that right. this guy has to go to jail because... Right. It'll keep the peace. It'll keep the peace. Yes. That's not constitutional. That yes. is completely I, I, against... I, I was going to make a reference, but then I, I <laughs> it struck me that you have not seen this this. Yet, which, which I, one I can't that? reference it because, um, it, it well, Game of Thrones, oh, uh, I have, and, and yeah. so, but we'll, so I'm not gonna go there because we're in the process of watching it, okay? And so, so um, but, yeah. but it, rem, it reminds me of that. Keep your spoilers, to I will, yourself. I will. I'm, I'm not a spoiler <laughs> guy, I'm not. I mean, it has been how many years since Game of Thrones, <laughs> like two years, <laughs> so two years I since mean, your basement went down. By now, I should be finished with it. Well, it's been two years since we oh. like stopped watching it. How yeah. long has it been since it ended? Oh, just two years. Oh, yeah. you, you so. started watching as soon as the series ended. Oh, okay, so, so yeah, so. Before we get there, we do have to mention our favorite sponsor, the Get Our Coffee Fix of Freedom in, yes. the, the Run Your Mouth Coffee, which happens to be co-founded by 
John Odermatt, who is going to be our guest coming on. So yes. maybe maybe he'll do some coffee talk with yeah. us, too. Maybe he can give us a sneak peek into the operation. <laughs> there you go. Walk us through. Each bean is hand-picked. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's picking them for us. Um, Run Your Mouth Coffee, once again, is the coffee of freedom, free speech. They promote free speech. And as we always say, if you promote free speech, Support small businesses, specifically small businesses yes. that promote free speech. No, no other time has have small businesses been yes. like blatantly under attack than from 2020 till now because of all these COVID lockdowns. Yeah, the lockdowns. I mean, it's like small business needs you. And, and you know what? Small business, typically, it's a better product. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, more ethical and... A hundred thousand ways, yes. I'm sure. Um, again, like like you said, small businesses need you. I need coffee. <laughs> you need coffee. Drink run your mouth coffee. Go to rymcoffee.com um, for your coffee fix of free speech. And um, tell them we sent you by using the promo code break the bell. That's all one word, no spaces, break the bell. You'll get 10% off of your order plus free shipping. So go there, order your coffee. It'll be shipped fresh to your door, and you'll get to enjoy it. And then you'll also be supporting free speech on the other hand. So right. so do all those things. If you like coffee as much as you like free speech, drink run-your-mouth coffee. That's it. Just do it. Just, Just go do, do it. it. I don't. If you haven't ordered it, if you haven't checked them out, I don't know why. We've been saying it for like two months now. Yes. Um, and, and coming from someone who's not <clears throat> not really like a coffee drinker, it is really good tasting coffee. I really like it. It is. It is. Um, it's definitely a, a, a fresh. Um, it doesn't taste like Folgers or some no, garbage like no. that. Um, it, it's it's very good coffee. It's um, they do a good job with it. It's a good product. Yeah, it is. So support them by going to RYM Coffee. We've been saying it. Just just freaking do it already. Otherwise, um, you're not listening to us. <laughs> so just just go do it. Um, more stuff. We gotta obviously hammer into your head is share this around all over social media. Visit us on all our social media platforms. <clears throat> um, Facebook.com slash BreakTheBellPod P-O-D for podcast. Um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, MeWe, Parlor. We're all over the place. Um, yeah. Antinewslive.com new platform that also supports free speech. Uh, so if you want to go find a platform where you can share your mind without fear of getting kicked off, which seems to be the trend in 2021, um, go to com and sign up for a profile on that because free speech. That's I mean, there's really no other argument for these two companies besides free speech. Yes. I mean, that's why we started our podcast. Yeah. Free speech. So that's why we are going to continue to support companies and businesses and business ventures that support those things. And so now more than ever, it is important <clears throat> for mm -hmm. that because it is going quickly. It is. It, it, I mean, it's not that they're necessarily taking it from us. It's that so many people are just giving it up willingly. Right. So if you don't want to be one of those people that gives up your free speech willingly, um, check out some of these companies and support them. So... I think that's about all we got for this intro. I think so. Um, we got a lot to cover with this Derek Chauvin trial, um, talking about uh, the verdict, talking about the chance of him even having a fair trial, like yeah. if that's even a thing. How does Maxine Waters play into it? Yes. I mean, right. Her, com her bullshit comments. Yeah. 
Biden had some comments during yeah. before the verdict came out. It's just yeah. like we'll get into that, but it's just like some of these people. It's like just keep your damn mouth shut until yeah, let right. let the judicial process run its course. Right. Yeah, don't and taint the system. No, no, and it, um, a lot of people have have issues are taking issues with those yeah. two in particular running their mouth. So. Um, we're going to get into that. We're going to get John in here in just a moment right after this intro. So um, I think if you're ready, I'm ready to just kick off this intro. Let's do it. And hopefully he'll be in and call us up by the time we get back. Otherwise, we're just going to bullshit until he decides to show up. We have so plenty to talk about. We do have plenty. So we're going to kick off this intro, and then we'll be back with John Odermatt of the Lions of Liberty podcast conglomerate. We'll be right back. What did you say? You talking to me? What? What the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe. He was talking to me. What'd you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? All right. We are back. John is not in the the chat room just yet, so we're going to ad-lib until he gets here. It's all good. So this whole Derek Chauvin trial, I just realized, I, I mean, I, I didn't just realize, but it kind of clicked in my brain that this episode here brings us back full circle it does <clears throat> it does because if you, I, you remember and i remember if maybe listeners remember our very first episode of this podcast was the george floyd murder right. well well we did the coronavirus first <clears throat> well yeah our first released yes, one yes and then and then yes then there is all of a sudden george floyd and we we're like shit we got to redo the everything now, we can't consider ourselves a current event yeah. podcast without talking about the main story that's yeah. happening right now, which we thought we were. We were talking, right. we I mean, this was during the time. It was the main coronavirus story. Coronavirus was full swing. Yeah. The lockdowns were just kicking yeah. off. All this stuff, like I think the first round of payments were just in the process of being I passed. Think so, yeah. And um, yeah, because our, <laughs> I remember our um, little teaser video, we had said, um, talking about giving up your rights in the name right. of like a twelve hundred dollars yeah, right. stimulus yep. check. Yeah. So all that stuff was going full swing. So we recorded the entire episode talking about all that stuff, and then like two days before, three days before we were supposed to release our first episode, George Floyd's murder kicks off, yeah. and all the protests kick off. Yeah. And I text you. I was just like, "Shit, <laughs> we got to do it again." Yeah. And you're like, "No, no, you're right." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we got to do it. So. And, and we sat right here, and and we we both agreed this dude is 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 guilty as shit. Yeah, and we we were on board, and 
something needed to happen. They needed to flip the system upside down. Yeah. And and here we are almost a year later and talking about the same shit. Yeah. And again, we're not saying that he's I, I don't think we ch- either no. of us have changed no. our he, opinions. He, he is on a piece of shit. Derek Chauvin, yeah. he is a piece of shit. Seeing his like those eyes he makes yeah. towards the the freaking person that's videotaping yeah. just I, I think it, I had said then it, it just reminds me of like a dog that's out taking a shit. Right. You know when your dog's yeah. taking a shit and it like looks you in the eyes and it's yeah. just like, dude, don't look at me while you're right. just like, I'm yeah. doing this right now. Yeah. That's what it oh, reminded me. You like me. that? You like that? You like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what it Derek Chauvin's face reminded me of was yeah. a dog taking a shit. Well and then his three his three fellow police officers that were just keeping everybody away from Right the situation. Right, and we'll get into a lot of this stuff yeah. when we are. I I've got a lot of notes about the trial. I'm hoping John gets in here to discuss the trial. Yeah. Here in the next few minutes, so I don't like backpedal on some of the stuff we're talking about here because I know he's probably got a lot of good stuff to say too. Right. Yeah. But this happened May 25th last year, 2020. So yeah. Memorial Day weekend, right? Yeah. So we're looking at exactly, almost exactly 11 months to today mm-hmm. that this whole thing went off. So this has been an ordeal yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. And the trial kicked out, which the trial, I mean, it seems like it's been a long time, but it's surprising how soon right. this trial kicked off. Yeah. Because sometimes they don't for like right. years. <laughs> yeah. When you look at like, uh, you know, the Michael Brown case out of uh, Ferguson. Yeah. I mean, that took that took years. Yeah. So, but here we are. I mean, there's been, you know, the rise of BLM. Right, the, the rise of Antifa, you know, we're a na- nationwide protest. Even in our in our own Iowa City, mm-hmm. Cedar Rapids area, there had been protest, um, and so, you know, BLM again came to prominence. You know, we talked about this. You know, people talked about how sometimes you have to you have to do violence. You mm-hmm. know, but there again, then there was the looting. And then there was Antifa mixing themselves in, causing more problems. And there was the rumors that even people on the other side were causing problems right, to make yeah. the protests look like they it were was worse. worse. Than, yeah. yeah, and so I mean, it's just been a, yes. a gigantic and, but then mess. From there, it seems like it, almost every every month, it seems like there's been a police shooting. You had you had Chad's, Chaz, Chad, up in Oregon. Chop, Chaz, yeah, Chad, whatever. Who, who they knows? they didn't know. No. They didn't even know. You know, yeah, the the autonomous zones. We talked yeah. about those. Yeah, right. I mean, the statues being torn down. This, yeah, this has gone from, um, <laughs> like zero to a yeah. hundred in no time at all. And, and then to have Nancy Pelosi come out and be like, um, "Thank you, George Floyd, for dying. <laughs> <laughs> You've done more in your death than you have in your life." Right? <laughs> it's like, who wants to hear that? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got John now, so um, I'm gonna pull him up, and we'll. Get get into this conversation with John Odermatt. Hang on just a second. Can you hear me? You there? Am I on? Yeah, you're on. You All you? right, man. What's up? All right. Hey, John. Everybody, this is John Odermatt of the Lions of Liberty podcast, former host of Felony Friday, which you have just recently changed now to Finding Freedom. Is that correct? You got it. You got it. Impressive. So what is... <laughs> before we get into this whole topic... Um, Tell me about the name cha- name change because you were all about like the criminal justice system, which is why I reach out to you in stories like this. Um, but you have recently changed it from directly criminal justice, I guess, or directly the the felony Friday stuff to this finding freedom. What was the what led you to change and go in a different direction? What is the new direction? Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's, that's a fair question. Good question. Um, 
Yeah. So I'd still, I mean, I'm still going to focus on criminal justice stuff, but uh, you know, I think based on the the climate right now and things happening in the world, I wanted to have a little more flexibility to, you know, to cover more things, you know, COVID related and lockdown related recently I've had on, you know, business owners talking about how they've dealt with lockdowns and how they've evolved and, and different things like that. Um, on the show this week, this upcoming Thursday, I'll be having on a, uh, a business owner in India to talk about the impact of COVID and lockdowns on his, his tourism business in India. So just getting more perspectives and uh, just trying to help libertarians and help anybody who listens uh, to really find ways to apply the ideas of liberty, maybe a little better rather than just, you know, talking about it and hearing about theory um, or, or maybe even, I mean, it's great to hear about these stories of the criminal justice system to put a face, you know, behind what happened. But I think it's also good to expand that and, and hear about, you know, how people are overcoming obstacles you know, all over the place. So that's a big part of it. The other part is um, just this, you know, we know that felons have that stigma, the, the felon label that follows them around. Right. I think I was suffering the, the same sort of stigma having my show named Felony Friday. Some people just wouldn't <laughs> listen to it. It was called Felony Friday. They so did, just tagged you as too. a felon yourself. Yeah, it's 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 I, I don't know. People just yeah, I mean it's the same thing where people like won't hire felons because of the stigma. You know, maybe they think they can't trust them or they're gonna steal from them or something. They think they won't get anything out of of a show that it's is you know, somebody talking to felons. Right. Which I mean, that's not a, the only reason I changed the show, but I think I can reach more people with the uh, the new name. That's fair enough. I mean, you see, I mean, you find a new direction, you rebrand yourself. I mean, it's basically still the same thing, but it seems like it gives you more opportunity to, like you were saying, branch out a little bit and talk about different stuff without people just expecting the felony stuff. And I have I have noticed other, other podcasters doing the same, one being... Um, what is it? Uh, who's the guy from? I can't even think of his Buck? name. Uh, Buck from Counterflow. No, yeah. the guy with the guy with glasses. I can't even think of his freaking <laughs> name. Um, I have him all over my freaking. Uh, guy with glasses Twitter. wears t-shirts sometimes. Yes, yes, that's the guy. No, he he changed his from. Um, he's he's the guy Remzo works. Remzo's podcast is based out of. Um, Shit. Ryan Nichols? No. Uh, he, he changes? No. He changes. No. Um, the other the other guy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he he changed it from like a very libertarian name, like something something of liberty, I can't remember, but then he changed it to just his name because of the stigma of like trying to get people who weren't libertarians on a show or getting non-libertarian listeners to listen to the show. He wanted to branch out and not necessarily like change his message of libertarianism but change his his reach because a lot of people think the libertarians are are a bunch of crazy nut jobs that just care about their roads and stuff so he <laughs> he changed his name up just to um um kind of expand his reach and and i i think that's a good thing so uh, I, I mean i think it is too and honestly i think you guys have i mean not to kiss your ass but uh <laughs> I, i'm being honest i think you guys have a great name in that it is sort of attached to liberty obviously in a way um, but but it's not at the same time. You have the flexibility, right? Um, and and the symbolism and the vi- and the you know visual of, of breaking the bell is, is is good persuasion. But honestly, even with Lions of Liberty, which is our you know our, our mothership, which my uh, podcast sits under, we've talked about 
changing that. And uh, I mean, I don't know if we will or not. We've been kicking around for several months now, of just sort of rebranding as the Lions and taking taking Liberty out. Right. Not because we're against Liberty, but just like you're saying, like, yeah, some people somehow Liberty's has this whole stigma attached to it where you know people think you're crazy if you you like liberty it's almost i I don't know it's 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 almost equal to being called a conspiracy theorist at some points it's like oh uh you're a libertarian you must be a conspiracy theorist too um that that's not how it works but you get kind of the same stigma especially in today's climate chris spangle is the guy i was thinking of sorry don't know why i forgot that but oh yeah he changed it to the the chris spangle show yes yep so um yeah Glad to see that you're still moving forward and finding new directions, and I'm glad to have you back on the show. I was telling Bill just a few minutes ago that this whole Derek Chauvin trial kind of brings our show in full circle because our very first ever episode that we released was the George Floyd murders because we had rec- we had planned on releasing on this specific date, the Wednesday after the murder, Um, We had already recorded an entire episode about COVID because this was like during the times of the lockdowns and stimulus bills had just been released and stuff like that. So that was the big thing going on. And then all of a sudden this kicked off and I looked at Bill and I was like, shit, we got to re-record this thing. So it kind of brought this whole thing kind of back to um, square one because that's where we started. And now we're back here talking about this once again with this whole uh, Derek Chauvin uh, trial and the, the the verdict that came with it. So I thought that was interesting. So you were actually the first person I reached out to because we reached out to you. The last time you were on, we talked about the Breonna Taylor uh, it shooting and all the yeah. stuff that surrounded that. So um, we reached out to you. I reached out to you first when I found out about the verdict. I was like, well, I kind of want to hear your opinions on this case too because um, it's a similar similar story police murder all the protests and stuff that surround it and it kind of happened in the same time frame so um, I reached out to you got your opinion I was like come on the show so um, I'd like to get your thoughts on this verdict he got found guilty of not only second degree murder but also third and second degree manslaughter what is your initial opinion when you when you heard this verdict yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that like when you when you started talking about this, you brought it back, because yeah, you, you like right after wasn't right after the verdict, but it was the same day you sent me that message asking me, and I gave you my immediate response, which I don't think it's changed, but what's changed is, I think it's important to kind of set the whole stage of what we're looking at and, and talk through it, um, because there's this is not a simple simple case in any way. Mm, I mean, right. it's embedded in the culture. There's so much going on. I mean, the influence that, um, you know, the initial incident sort of, it was like, you know, you, you cast a stone in a lake and just the, the ripples come out and right. it's, it's just totally changed our, our culture to a degree. And that's why I liked when you started there talking about sort of as an origin point for, for your own podcast, when this did happen, because I, like when I was thinking about coming on your show today, I was thinking about, my initial reaction to seeing, you know, the video of Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd for nine minutes. And mm. I was outraged like anybody else. Yep. Like, uh, you know, regardless of the outcome or what other evidence came out during the case, um, that, I mean, that, that's just completely insane to be right. kneeling on another man for, uh, for nine minutes. And it's, it's, it's just not the way that, 
it's not the way the policing should be done. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if that's the, uh, you know, the standard, uh, you know, what they teach or, or not. That's it's just insane. But like, I, I guess just to talk about like the way I responded to you, then we can, we can dive into this more. Um, I think what I said was, I mean, first of all, I expected this result mm-hmm. based on the self-preservation of the jury um, this wasn't about the jury wasn't uh, weighing the facts or the evidence they saw. They were um, watching out for their own asses, which I don't blame them. Um, you know, put put themselves and their family in danger if they would would have gone against. If they would not have convicted. If they would not have gone, you know, all in against Chauvin with uh, you know convicting him on all counts. So there's that aspect of it. But at the same time, and we can go way deeper into this because it's, it's like I said, it's not like really a topical thing, but like when you do look at the evidence and you look at it, like from the court of law, if you were, if you had an impartial jury that was not fearing for their lives, very likely um, Chauvin's not going to get convicted. That's right. not to say, I don't think he should have been convicted or I'm not happy he's convicted, but just saying like, if you put it up in like, if you take all the emotion out of it, I don't think he gets convicted based on the evidence that was that, right. that was put out that, right. that was presented. Yeah, right. Yeah, that and your exact response to me, if you've heard, if you want to be reminded, is I think he's a scumbag. Which I, we've said this for a, almost a year now. Think he's a scumbag, but probably should have been found not guilty because there's plenty of reasonable doubt. But obviously that won't happen because the jurors want to live. That was your response. <laughs> Yeah, so pretty much. I said the same thing with more words, I, I guess, now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I mean, that's exactly what we've been talking about yeah. on the show um, throughout leading up to the trial. It's like, either way, um, the jury's going to, because of this whole mob mentality, this whole lynch mob mentality, um, they're not going to not convict him if they want, like you said, if they want to live, they're not going to want right. to not convict him. And with that respect... I guess my question is, did Derek Chauvin have any chance of a constitutional right to a fair trial with with everything that's come out in the last year? I, I certainly don't think so. No, I, I don't see how he could. I mean, and you could move it to a different state. I, I don't see how he would get yeah. a fair trial anywhere. Maybe no. move it to Alaska. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, I I possibly that would be the closest thing to it, but – um, and then you have like what happened at the very end when you have the president of the United States right? weighing yeah. in saying, well, I hope they get this one right. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, right. Aside yeah. from what you think about any of this, about this trial, that is insanity. Yeah. Like, that's it's that's like, grounds for an appeal right there. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, there's that in the whole Maxine Waters comments. And I have to get into those stuff, too. We can talk about them now, though. Like Maxine Waters came out. And basically said, if if you don't convict him, um, if, if he's not found guilty, he, she basically said we need to become more confrontational. Which, how how much more confrontational can you be than what's been experienced in the last year right. through Black Lives Matter or what what have you with all these protests and stuff? It's like you have a two two elected officials coming out and giving their opinions during the the whole process of. Um, the, I, the jury, I don't even think had the jury even gone back to do their deliberation yet, or was this still during the, the trial that these, these people came out and said these, or do you even know? 
if I remember right, the Maxine Waters was, I believe, before the jury was even sequestered. I yeah, think. That's what yeah. I thought too. Which, in uh, so. her her defense, was because uh, the judge came out and said that and kind of reprimanded her for this, and he was just like, I I don't agree with elected officials coming out and running their mouth, basically, is what he said, mm -hmm. about a trial and not leaving this to the ju judicial system, which is what we're here for. They shouldn't be out running their mouths. And she came out, and she's like, he knows that the jury's not allowed, took an oath to not watch TV. They took an oath to not read newspaper articles. So what he's saying is completely wrong. And it's, it's just like, it's, it's bullshit. It's a bullshit response. Yeah. Like, when they sequester a jury, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you guys do. We could probably, one of us could probably Google it. But, mm -hmm. like, obviously, it's very different sequestering a jury today than it was even 15 years ago, 10 years sure. ago. Yeah. If you have a cell phone, I mean, that's right. that's all you need. You can look at anything. Right. I mean, do they take your cell phone away? I, I don't know. I, I I don't think so. You I mean, especially so? in, in a trial like this where it's, it's several days. I mean, I don't... I don't think you, they can take your phone away from you. No, and um, something like that, I don't know if your phone's set up to do this, but a, a statement like that from the president will pop up at right. the top of my phone as a notification saying, hey, the president made this statement. And so it would be easy for them to go to the bathroom and be like, oh, shit, the president said this, yeah. sequestered or not. Or, or a text from their husband be like, damn, did you hear what the president just said? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you might you might want to get this run, this one right so we don't yeah. get killed. Yeah, I mean, coming from Biden, that doesn't sound like a threat. Like if that came from any other country's president, like um, say this was in Russia and Vladimir Putin came out and said they better get this one right. That's a pretty serious <laughs> statement. That's like the kiss of death. He, he would just say, "I wish them good health." Yeah, <laughs> like he did to Biden, um, basically. Um, giving them the kiss of death. But when it comes from Biden, it doesn't sound like a direct threat because how unthreatening of a person he is. But you get the... That's how he gets away with it. Like, that's how Biden gets away with so much, don't you think? Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. Because he does have that kind of unassuming... Like, and the way he said it, I mean, yeah, he did kind of downplay it. He's like, well, I hope they get it right. And I hope there's no violence. So he's like, he's couching all of this in... Like, I'm the good guy here by saying this, but at the same time, he's just, like, stirring the pot up. And he yeah. knows what he's doing. Oh, you know? yeah. He's, he's not an idiot. Yeah. And I mean, I, he's old and losing his mind, but he's not an idiot. But everything he says is probably written by somebody who does know what they're saying and, and has calculated yeah. every every move that is made. So um, I, I don't think that was an accident that he came out and said that by any stretch. So, yeah, back to um, back to the trial, though, and— like, like, we can debate all day whether or not he had a fair trial, and at the end of the day, I think we're all going to come to the conclusion that there's, there just wasn't a chance for it. And it, I, I find it interesting, and maybe you do too, that this trial here, because you're always coming at the perspective of, um, like, the defendant not getting a fair trial, and also you discuss, like, police reform and all this stuff and police injustice and things like that. This trial involves both because the defendant was— was accused of police misconduct. So not only is he on the side of police misconduct and police reform, but he's also on the side of, does this guy get a fair trial? You got something? Yeah, real quick. Um, this is uh, in, uh, this is, pertains to the Derek Chauvin murder trial. It says, uh, the jury was partially sequestered during the trial itself. 
fully sequestered during deliberations. While the trial proceedings were ongoing, jurors were permitted to go home overnight but parked in a secure location and were escorted between it and a private entrance to the courthouse. While at home, the jurors were not monitored. The jurors were monitored at all times while in the courthouse, including during breaks and meals. The jury was fully sequestered once deliberations began. So they were fully exposed. I mean, they were not monitored at home. No. So they could have had... CNN on all they yeah. wanted. <laughs> yeah. Who gives a shit about their oath they took not to watch TV during this trial? Right. Do you think any of them went home and just sat in the dark in their right. house? Yeah. No. Yeah, there's no, there's no, no way. It's not, not, it's not even a remote possibility. Right. So <clears throat> back to what I was saying about um, this. Uh, did you find, do you find it difficult to even talk about this being the fact that this is both sides of the coin that you you reference in your podcast <laughs> yeah well man that, that's like what i was getting at sort of like the the layers to this we got to peel back because and i mean when you just get down to the arrest itself i mean the very fabric of the arrest is rooted in the war on drugs it's rooted in the lockdowns that were going on at the time i mean if you didn't have uh covet lockdowns george floyd uh you know probably would have had a, a job somewhere, um, you know, m- might not have been uh, selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't have a, a war on drugs, um, he probably wouldn't be selling drugs. Or if he was still selling drugs, they probably would have been better drugs and not had <laughs> fentanyl in them, which right. is what caused him to, uh, to overdose when allegedly, you know, it's not proven, but the defense put up a case that, uh, you know, when the cops were coming, he just... I forget what they call it, but there's a slang term for it when you just eat your stash, which, yeah. which is uh, what they're saying he did, which caused him to to, uh, to OD. But so if you if you take all that stuff away, then none of this happens. Mm-hmm. But nobody talks about it that way, right? Right. Well, like- and, and and also and and if you hold police officers accountable, um, you know, if, if police officers aren't uh, above the law, and uh, uh, qualified immunity mm-hmm. blank for a minute what is called qualified immunity is is not uh you know not a thing that they can uh, have backing them then uh they're not going to act so so recklessly right. so it's it, it's just so many freaking layers here and it all kind of wraps up in this in this in this package that obviously the national media you know the uh the far left which is going for abolishing the police is totally missing mm-hmm. all of these factors at play, which really led to this whole situation occurring. Yeah, no, I agree. And you, you bring up the, the defense and this whole um, topic of him overdosing or uh, they brought in the medical examiner as one of the witnesses. Um, and currently this guy is under investigation now going back the 17 years he's been doing this because um Probably, I think it said like 300 different medical personnel signed this thing saying he went well outside of his scope of what he should have been doing in this. But his his defense said that, um, this is coming straight from the medical examiner, that there was the possibility that he inhaled um, carbon monoxide from the tailpipe from being down on the ground. He had fentanyl in his system. He had meth in his system. Um, he had what, like an enlarged heart or something, or like yeah. heart arrhythmia or or some, something like that. And so, all of that mixed together is what caused him to die. Not the fact that uh, Derek Chauvin was 
was putting all his weight on his back or or what have you. And I, me and Bill have talked, and it's just like, and this is this is why this becomes a hard one to prove his intent here because with all that stuff, do I think? That he didn't have any—his kneeling on his neck or his back or whatever they're calling it now didn't have anything to do with it? No, it may have exacerbated previous medical conditions. But what do you think about all these statements from this medical examiner? Like, oh, the possibility of uh, um, CO being inhaled from the exhaust pipe. Do you think any of this holds weight or do you think this is just him trying to cast doubt on the, the whole trial itself? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it holds weight. I mean, I know with these like medical experts that they bring in, um, they're going to, I mean, they're going to talk to, you know, the point they're paid to talk to. So mm -hmm. they're saying they're investigating this guy. Maybe they are. I don't know if anything will come from it, but uh, did he break any rules? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, it's not really my expertise to, to comment on that, but I mean, it, it's po it's possible that he inhaled carbon monoxide. Sure, you know it's obviously possible that the overdose played a role, and he had you know underlying conditions. But he also had COVID, I think, right before that mm, too. Yeah. So there's a whole cluster of things coming together. But I mean, the one thing that uh, I, I listen to Scott Adams a lot. Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, and he is he he. I mean, he is politically. I don't want to say non-affiliated. <laughs> because he did back Trump, but he backed Trump from the perspective of Trump being a goods persuader and learning from, you know, how Trump was able to control the media narrative and things like that. Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear him talk about that. But to get back to what I was talking about before. So what he brought up is a great point. So say Chauvin is this, you know, raging racist, mm -hmm. even if he is there would have been a history of things like this happening in the past. Um, it just, it doesn't make any sense for a guy to kneel on someone else's neck, knowing that they're going to kill someone while a crowd of people is around them recording it. Right. Right. So you, you would have to be, you, something would have had to snapped in your snap in your mind. So it's either he didn't think that he was killing him. He didn't realize it, which I think is probably the case, which does not excuse it two different things. Mm -mm. Um, but to say that, you know, that he's, that this proves that Chauvin is a racist, I, I, I can't, maybe he is, I don't know, but it, I don't think this necessarily means that racism caused this to happen. No, I think I mean, possibly it was, uh, he has a power trip because looking back, he has, this guy has like 17 complaints on his record, but they're not like race-related um, complaints. Mm -hmm. um, I looked into some of them. One was these got kids, these high schoolers were shooting Nerf guns. It was like an end-of-the-year tradition of their school. The last day, they like have this big Nerf gun battle, and they like shot this like passerby with a Nerf gun. And the cops were called for whatever reason, which is stupid to me that you would call somebody for shooting you with a Nerf gun. But... Um, Chauvin and other people and they shot all the kids. Well, they right? pulled guns on them. <laughs> they drew guns on them. They like three officers drew guns on How them. How old were these kids? Uh, they just got out of high school. Oh, They're wow. just grad. It was their last yeah. day of high school. Drew guns on them. End up um, putting these kids in uh, a cop car and like berated them for like twenty minutes, like with swearing at them wow. and stuff, and trying to scare the shit out of them. So to me, it seems like this guy has a massive. 
power ego trip. Yeah. And that might have played into what was going on in this whole um, George mm-hmm. Floyd thing. But again, these were white kids. It wasn't a race related thing. And so I don't looking at his former complaints and he has plenty of them. He was a douchebag from what it sounds, yeah. but none of them seem like directly race related, in my opinion, besides this one. I mean, this just the only reason this one became a race related thing is just because of the publicity it turned into. Right. Well, I, th- I think you had a situation where Floyd, you know, he ate his stash. He wanted there to be a medical emergency. He didn't want to go into the police car. He wanted to be taken because what happens in these situations is medical emergency ambulance shows up, you leave in an ambulance. You don't have to go into jail. It's a minor offense. By the time everything shakes out, mm-hmm. he doesn't even have to do any time in jail. He shows up to court. You know, maybe gets uh, has to pay a fine or something, or I don't know. Pro- probably ends up mostly get mostly getting away with it. But Chauvin shows up, and he shows up later, right? And these other two, uh, I guess, rookie cops or inexperienced cops, were really struggling to to control Floyd. And uh, yeah, Chauvin probably comes in on a, on a power trip. Right. And there's the whole dynamic. Who knows how much this played in? Maybe a little but maybe not at all where they might've known each other because they worked together, but maybe they didn't actually know each other working together. That's yeah. kind of, right. I forgot right. about right. that. I forgot yeah. I forgot about, about that. that too. Yeah. They were bouncers together at a, at a club. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So I could see him be like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll fuck with this guy a little bit, you know? And, and uh, yeah. So, so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many questions here and the, the fact that there's so many questions here, so many, what ifs, brings you back circle to is there enough evidence to say he's guilty specifically of second degree murder because right. that's a big one i i found it interesting they found him on guilty on all three charges because the only reason they placed all three charges is so if the highest didn't stick then they go to the next and then if that doesn't stick they go to the next the fact that they find him guilty on all three i don't know exactly how the criminal justice system works maybe you can explain this better to me like is it possible, like, say it went from first degree and second degree. Can you find somebody guilty of first degree and second degree? Because that goes from intent, like premeditated murder, right. to uh, my my stupidity. I in, I did something that I knew would hurt somebody and it, it, it inevitably killed them. Is it possible to be found guilty on both of those? Like, it, it was interesting to me that they found him guilty on all three. Yeah, I mean... To be, I'll just be totally honest. I, I, I am not an expert to speak on, on how that happens. I, I did not expect it, and honestly, I, I was. It doesn't make sense to me either that you would convict on both second and third degree murder. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's more common than I'm than I'm aware of. But, I, I mean, I honestly think it's one of those situations where I mean the jury's looking at each other saying. If we don't convict on everything, there's going to be riots. Our family's in danger. We have to convict on everything. Yeah. And I was trying to see what I was trying to bring up what that uh, the, exactly what the juror said. Who uh, that like who uh, spoke out about really being, that's, that's exactly what they did was they were the one that said they were like scared. And um, I thought I had that video, too. Um, I can play it. Right. It was the alternate 
Yeah, too, right? yeah. I got that video here. Um, you'll just be able to hear it. You won't be able to see it, but everybody else will be able to see it. So, um, this is on. Was it the one that was on Laura Ingram? Yes. Who, who I can't. I can't stand Laura Ingram, but you'll have to put up with her for half, can. half a second. So, um, here's that video real quick. So we'll hear what the, what she said. If it'll load for me. No, it's not going to load. But I saw other interviews with her, too, and she basically um, was... It was interesting because she came out and said that, but she also was saying stuff like, well, I, I agree with them getting sentenced. I wish I could have been there to vote because I would have voted him guilty, too. But then she had that one statement, too. Uh, of course, there's going to be an ad. I'm. Let me... Well, this ain't going to work out the way I wanted it to. So if I can get it pulled up, I'll play it for you. But, yeah, basically she said um, that they the jurors are afraid of, like, going back to their homes and going back to wherever because of this whole mob mentality, this lynch mob mentality, basically saying, you know, if we do make the wrong choice here, um, <laughs> what happens to us pretty much? And... Statements like that might not seem like much, but when you get, like, Maxine Waters calling for in increasing the freaking um, uh, confrontations and um, the violence or the, the, the rioting or whatever, then, then it becomes kind of a more real thing. So here's the video here. I got it. Aftermath of the Chauvin trial, an alternate juror is finally speaking out about the sense of fear she and her colleagues felt. Here's what the juror in question, Lisa Christensen, told CNN yesterday. I was concerned for my safety to a point, depending on, you know, we hadn't heard any facts or anything yet. So depending on which way it went, um, I felt like some people, you can't please everybody all the time. So I felt certain groups might feel certain ways. So I was a little concerned about that. I mean, they, they might have taken that out of context because that's all they played. But just that statement alone says, hey, um, we're scared if we make the wrong choice here. We got to go back home at some point. We're not sequestered forever. I, I liked how she said, I mean, she obviously was saying that she feared for her safety. But in doing so, still was very careful in how she said it. Yeah. Certain groups would have felt certain ways. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't come out and say, um what was really on our mind or what the rest of us are thinking that these mm -hmm. black lives matter protest groups are going to, or Antifa or whatever we call them this today um, are going to come and <laughs> light their businesses on fire or, or whatever the, the latest um, act of violence is. But um, the fact is, I mean, she was just an alternate juror, but still the fact that she says, Hey, we're a little scared about this. Um, that to me says, there's not going to be a fair trial here. Yeah, and I mean, I would like to think that if I was on this jury, um, that the way I would have played it, and I mean, it's easy to say this now. I don't know if I actually would have done it. Prob I probably wouldn't have, because mm -hmm. this would, I mean, this is uh, this would be a scary thing to do. But you convict, just like the jury did, you convict on all charges, and then afterwards you come out and say, yes, convicted on all charges, and the reason that I did it is because it's self-preservation 100%. I was afraid for my life and my family's life and uh, did this to protect 
myself. And that would at least tell everyone that, you know, this, this, this was not a trial. This was not a, a fair trial in, in any, any way whatsoever. There was not a fact-based verdict. Mm-hmm. No. And um, one of the things, cause like I said, I watched other interviews with the same woman. And one of the, the things she said was the, the thing that got me was it was that video that the, the bystander took where you could see Derek Chauvin, like just staring blankly into the camera and she was like i i saw how he's just sitting there with his hands in his pocket he knew i felt like he knew he was in control i felt like he was being defiant it's just like it, you can feel that all you want but you can't right. base a, a guilty verdict on your feelings yeah. like for her to come out and say the one thing the number one thing that got me was that video because I felt like this and this. Well, then you're not going off facts. You're going off your damn feelings, and you're going off the same feelings yeah. that the rest of the country is feeling. Yes, we're, we all said, even in on our first episode, that video alone, he looked like he was an asshole, and he looked like um, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he was just being a dick because he could. Yeah. But that doesn't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that a- anything, anything. That's just my feelings. That's just... Yeah. Your feelings. So feelings do nothing for yeah. in a court of law. Well, like most cops, he just has that face that he just looks like an uncaring asshole. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's just, it's just the face he has. But it, it is, I mean, I think with so, so much today, when you go from, you know, how people judge a president or, you know, a CEO of a company, people, yeah, people are not, you know, basing their judgments on really the content of what someone says they're basing it on reading the person's mind and, you know, try they're, they're interpreting what they're saying in a way that, you know, goes along with their emotions. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's like, if I could say like one of the biggest problems with our culture today, that, that is it. I mean, that's, pervasive throughout culture oh, yeah. and i mean you could talk about donald trump all day with the left looking at donald trump i mean anything donald trump would say well he's just saying this because you know he really uh you know he hates black people and da 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 it's, it's i mean he didn't say anything like that what yeah. are you talking about yeah we're just uh we're reading between the lines of what he actually said and we're again we're we're just coming to our conclusions based on our feelings and stating that as yeah. fact like feelings are fact now yeah. and well it, it comes back to this we're in the age where there is no like right. truth right. there's no defined it's subjective truth. yeah everything's subjective it's based on feelings so right. when, once that that bleeds into the court of law that becomes a really mm-hmm. dangerous place i know obama was was a master of appealing to people's emotions and mm-hmm. making them feel a certain way in order to get what you know the the policy he wanted passed passed mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's all politicians really right but but mm-hmm. specifically I, I feel like it's a little bit more from the left mm-hmm. yeah and that comes back to like the whole stuff with biden and maxine right. waters it's like we're we're appealing to people's emotions and we're yeah. we're triggering emotions to yeah do the shit that we want done yeah well it's like uh not to get way off topic but i mean you're, i think you're absolutely right that the left and i, I mean i give the left credit for it right it, oh, it's yeah. out it's out there i mean we know that people make emotional based decisions so they're using that in order to right. get their you know get their agenda forward mm-hmm. you look at something like aoc i just saw a video of her from last week talking about her green new deal and she's like 
climate change is racist. Climate yeah. change is anti-gay. Climate change <laughs> is against the poor. I'm like, what are you talking? <laughs> I didn't no, know climate not. change had all these feelings. <laughs> yeah, right. But that, but that's why Greta Thunberg is so so appealing to the left. You know, that's why she's such a perfect mouthpiece for them because she appeals to them and she gets the there she hits them in the heartstrings. Well, yeah, she she comes how dare from, you comes from the position of the child, you right. know what? And then that, that's how we got into the Gulf War was the babies in the incubators. It's like appeal from the feelings of children right. and and you can do whatever. It's just that appealing to feelings to make facts happen. Yeah. And it, it's it, I mean, it sets a really bad a bad precedent, especially when it comes into the court of law, because now the jurors are yeah. responding to feelings, not to the facts of the case. And when you have one of these jurors coming out and and um, admitting to, well, the, the video that got me was the one, and I felt like this. And the whole, every article I read about the aftermath of this trial was, well, the thing that convinced the jurors was all these um, videos that they had, like from different angles and stuff, which is fine and good. You can see how um, clearly the guy was unresponsive. He should have got up off him at some point. Yes, he was neglectful in ways. He was guilty of at least manslaughter, in my opinion. But what those videos don't show is second-degree murder, in, in Minnesota at least, is um, you intentionally commit a felony that leads to death. There's nothing in those videos that show, that present him intending to commit a felony. So for them to find him guilty of intending to commit a felony based on them all saying, coming out and saying, the thing that got to me was all the different videos and stuff. There's yeah. no video evidence that he intended. There's nothing, no video of inside his brain of him intending right. to commit a yeah. felony. I, I don't know if it's, uh, it might be different in Minnesota, but... I think in general, second degree murder also has um, a reckless disregard for human life. Wasn't well, so that third like degree me- murder too, though? Well, well, third degree murder. Uh, how's that? That's a little different. That's so. There, second and third degree murder murder are both unplanned. Third degree is unintentional. But uh, I, I don't know. And then there's manslaughter, too, which manslaughter is the same as third degree murder. Manslaughter, much, too, right? is basically kind of like neglect. Like you just did something and yeah. that you shouldn't have done that led to a death. Um, third degree murder. Yeah. I mean, there's well, the, the lines are so blurred. And from what I there was an article I read and it was saying that the reason why they were looking at like murder, too, is because he was on the guys on the guy for nine minutes. And within that nine minutes, he could have decided, okay, I'm going to kill this guy. Yeah. And so that's why they decided. But the, again, the videos it don't. It is a long time. I mean, nine minutes is a long freaking time. It is. It is. It yeah. is. Again, no, I don't think any of us are going to argue about his actions being justified in this case. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's in prison. I'm not going to. I mean, I think I, we can debate about the, the facts here. And, you know, I would rather him be in prison than, you know, Thousands of other people who are in prison right now yeah, for, for total nonviolent or... crimes. Right. This guy has done in this in- incident and throughout his career way worse yeah. than you know thousands of nonviolent drug offenders who are sitting in prison yeah. for never never harming a soul. So mm-hmm. I, I do not feel bad that he's in prison. No, and and, um, and that was my argument at the beginning. of This is he should not have been a cop. 
I mean, for all the incidents against him, he should have been thrown out years ago. Right. And th- this one is interesting, the fact that, like, we all know police are protected by their own. Like, there's cover-ups, there's the police unions, there's uh, qualified immunity, all this stuff, protecting police officers. And that that system, the system that you list out your police reforms that we mentioned mm-hmm. in our last episode— would fix when he would no longer be a cop if it wasn't for all these things that are allowed. Um, so yeah, he seventeen different things against him. the The interesting thing is this is the first one where his own kind came out against yeah. him because like the police chief came out and said this was not in his training. Because one of the the big de- parts of the defense was he was enacting his training mm-hmm. like he was trained to do this this was a, a hold he was trained to do and blah 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 and then then the the police chief uh minneapolis police chief came out and he's like bullshit this was not in his training this had this is in no way um indicative of what we tra- what we expect of our police officers do you think that he is being genuine here or do you think he is not wanting to be uh, a victim of the lynch mob himself the police chief? Yeah. I I think it's just self-preservation on his part. Yeah. So I I can't, you know, I haven't looked through the training, but I'm, I'm it's probably within a, a margin of error. I mean, it's probably one of those things you could justify or not justify just based on which experts you have look at it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that and that's how so many of these police officers get away with these different things they do. There was, uh, I forget which state it was in, but there was the cop who shot someone in a window from the outside when they were just doing like a wellness check uh-huh. and you know, they get away with it because they get someone to testify says, well, that's what they were trained to do. And it's like, well, what the fuck? that's easy defense for a police officer. Oh, it was my training. Yeah. What, what do you expect? They told me to do this. This is what I do. Who gets trained to just fire <laughs> blindly through a window in the first place. I mean, that that's one of the, the reasons, one of the big issues with the Breonna Taylor case that we talked about mm-hmm. a couple months ago. So right. um, maybe instead of defunding the police, maybe we should look at better training techniques for these police officers because clearly they're being trained to do really shitty things sometimes. If that's their defense for all these shitty incidents, well, that's what I was trained to do. Maybe we should take a look, like, step back and take a look at what's going on with the training. That's going to require funding, though. That's not going to require defunding a police police department or um, disbanding a a police police department. That's going to require extra funding. Maybe divert some of the funding from the military-grade vehicles and put that into training these officers to not be asshats. Yeah. Yeah. Train them not to, uh, you know, not to pull their guns so quickly. Right. And I mean, I like when it comes to defunding police, you can't go from Minneapolis last year was talking about almost going directly from having a full police force to, you know, almost nothing, which yeah, you, you right. can't do that. I mean, maybe over time you can, you can reform it and bring things back to a more community-based police force, which I, which I think is, is ideal. Ideally, you want the people who live in a community to dictate what they want their police force or their security force mm-hmm. or you know whatever they decide to have. You want them to decide 
what they're going to do and, and what laws they're going to enforce and how they're going to protect them. Um, so the more you can get it away from the federal government dictating things to the state di dictating things. And that starts with like a lot of the ways they get funding today. And this is starting to change, but they get funding based on a, a lot of times drug arrests. The more drug arrests they're getting, the more funding they're getting. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a big funding mechanism. So they're not like, there's no incentive to pursue and try to find like a, you know, like a murderer and try to try to do the, the real police yeah. work, the detective work to track that down when uh, they can just do revenue generating things like traffic stops and they can patrol, you know, low income neighborhoods and shake people down and do drug arrests, things like that. Cause that's how they get more funding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the more, I mean, it, it's kind of like, it seems sometimes, especially with like the, the, the higher profile, police forces or like the federal police forces and stuff like that. It's kind of like the, um, the 24 hour, hour news cycle. It's like the, the better the story, the more ratings we're going to get. And it, it's like the, if we can visibly show that we are taking down the bad guys, like in these dramatic ways, people are going to right. fund us more. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, this is going way back, but the ATF during the Waco siege, it's just like they had like several black eyes on their, their name. I mean, people were calling for disbanding the ATF and they went into Waco knowing this and they're like, hey, we got to make this a bigger thing than it actually is. It, from my, my opinion of it, who, mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know what your take is on the whole Waco siege, but um, the fact that they could have just quietly arrested this guy on the streets whenever, but instead yeah. they chose to have this big old shootout or this big old like um, um, siege, like where they they busted in the doors and stuff on, on live camera. It's just like, well, we have to make this big public statement so we can continue to keep getting the funding that they're threatening to pull from us. So if we can show this big dramatic victory, then we'll continue to get all this endless funding. And I I see that's probably true with some of these bigger city police forces as well. Yeah, well, first, I mean, I 100% agree on Waco. I mean, it's it's been documented that uh, you know David Koresh would go, he'll go out jogging, he'll go into town and you know go grocery shopping mm -hmm. easily. I mean, the whole thing was based on the guns that they had. They wanted to, you know, they thought they thought there was a danger and they were you know making explosive things like that. Mm -hmm. They could have just arrested Koresh in town, but no, yeah, they wanted to justify. They wanted to have this big display this show of force and uh you know which would lead to more funding would would lead to notoriety would impress the media who they called to tell that they were doing mm -hmm. uh, the siege of waco um and the guy i I'm, I'm forgetting what his role was in waco but a guy who had a big role in that siege was just appointed are you aware of this was just appointed yeah, by biden yeah. yes yeah he was he's now the head of the atf yeah yeah, he's just. I forget, in, what his, I forget what his title was in uh, in the Waco. He siege. was a case, he was a case officer or something like that. I don't know yeah. that he was necessarily there, but he was definitely present during the trial and stuff like that. He was a case officer during that. In front of, from what I've heard, he was also somehow involved in the the Ruby Ridge th situation really? too. So yeah. I mean, don't quote me on that, but that's just what I, I've I've heard through various sources. So, so yeah, it just comes. Full background. But he's the one that came out and was like, oh, yeah, they had 50 caliber guns and they took out a couple helicopters. And <laughs> <laughs> Yes. 
Yep. So you can see, I mean, bringing that back to here, I I can, that that's what I was saying is, um, shows a force and the over dramatization and like yeah. you see it on Facebook posts, you see, like police officers or police stations that show like these giant like drug busts that yeah. they'll show like a hundred pounds of marijuana and they're like okay. look look what we did we 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 d- took out a hundred pounds and it's just like david chipman chipman yep chipman yeah there you go That's but funny. yeah um you see it all the time it's just like another mark another win up for um for such and such police department because we we found like 150 pounds of marijuana and blah 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 it's just like thanks for keeping us safe Good yeah. job, and it's just like those those public displays on social media to say to pat themselves on the back and show, hey, we are actually doing our job. It's just like, yeah. are you really doing your job, though? But it's, I mean, with those, the environment and you know, just the way that people look at marijuana, it has changed so much. I was, I was just on a the Year Zero podcast last week and talking about this with the host. Even in the past 10 years, it has changed so much the public perception of marijuana and marijuana crimes. Mm. And it's, it is crazy that there's still, I think it's less and less, but the, yeah, there are still those police officers who will put those social media posts out. But you read the comments on those social media posts, it's just people ripping them apart. Yeah, yeah I love those. I love reading through those because it's just like, thanks for protecting and serving us. Or, and, it there was one I saw last year. It was like they found, they confiscated like a truck, like a a pickup truck load full of fire illegal fireworks. And it's just like, do, do you not have anything fucking better to do? And the the comments were the same. It's just like, hey, bring those over to my house. We'll have a great show or something mm-hmm. like that. So it it it's ridiculous. But bringing that back to this, I don't even know how we got on this topic. <laughs> oh, we were talking about like. Yeah. de-escalating the police force right. and stuff like that but funding yeah. and training yeah. so how i mean what is the solution then like you you were talking like a slow bring this back to a community level thing do you see that ever happening or do you think this quest for funding and like ridiculous amounts of funding will always supersede the public will of hey let's let's tone this down a notch and bring this down to what it was originally intended to be well i think you have to change the culture you have to change the way people what people want out of their police mm-hmm. and the vast majority of people and this is changing slowly but they still want uh drug prohibition you know maybe they've eased a little bit on on marijuana but I probably I would say 60, 70, maybe higher than that. You know, they still want all the, you know, quote unquote, hard drugs to be, to be illegal. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's one step is, is decriminalizing that and, and ending the war on drugs and treating that, you know, moving that from criminalizing uh, addiction to, you know, make it a mental health issue. Right. And then when you do that, you take the the violence out of it. You take the cartels out of it. You cut the legs out front of the cartels. And then it becomes, you know, these communities, a lot of the uh, inner city urban communities where there's been this culture of, you know, children growing up and seeing the most successful people being people who were, you know, selling drugs, committing violent acts, 
and finding sex, uh, success that way, then you start to, you know, allow a different, you know, different community dynamic to, uh, to be built up. And I mean, the, the war on drugs has, has destroyed urban communities. I mean, oh, urban no, communities absolutely. were thriving before the war on drugs yeah. and it just, it just ripped the guts out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other policies going to that too, but yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's changing the culture. What do we want out of our police? Are our police, right. I mean, are they here to collect revenue and, you know, enforce if your vehicle has a, a brake light out or are they there to, you know, maybe you have a brake light out and they send you a letter saying, Hey, by the way, you got a brake light out. You should probably get a check. Right. Not, Hey, you're, you're fined a hundred dollars. You have a brake light out. Yeah. yeah. Like right. actually helping serving. Right. You know? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, protect and serve I mean, yeah. the the thing that they're supposed to be doing in right. the first place. Yeah. Um, so, do you have time? Uh, we're about due for a break right now. Do you have time to come back and talk a little bit more for maybe another half an hour or so? We usually take sure, about yeah, a half yeah. an hour break. Um, I I have a little bit more about the Chauvin trial, and then we have these other shootings going on too. Just recently, I didn't I I if we have time to get your take on some of those police shootings too, um, we'll go ahead and take a five minute break and then we'll be back and um, continue this conversation because uh, there's so much to unpack here. Like you said, I don't even think we, you said there's so many layers to this. I think we barely even scratched the surface of any of this stuff. Um, we barely even got through the first layer with this whole trial. And then with the, the um, roots of how this <laughs> even turned into an issue to begin with and how we can even fix this because I don't think any of us think that the whole call to de- uh, defund or disband police is the solution. Yeah. But there's got to be a solution somewhere. So um, if you're willing to come back, we'll just take a quick five minute break and then we'll get you back on in just a couple minutes. All right. All right we're going to take a break. We'll see you back here, get something to drink, and we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. All right. All right, everyone. We are back with John Odermatt. Hang on, John. Let me get you pulled up. 
We are back with John Odermatt of the Finding Freedom podcast on the Lines of Liberty podcast. I'm trying to find. I, I have these buttons all over the place. Hang on just a sec. There you are, John. All right. We're back talking about the Derek Chauvin trial, the 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 biggest trial of this year, at least. I mean, we do have the the Ghislaine Maxwell trial going on currently, but nobody wants to talk about that. We only want to talk about the Derek Chauvin trial, I guess, because that's all that really matters. I, I saw somebody was comparing it to the O.J. Simpson trial. Every trial is compared <laughs> to the O.J. Simpson trial. I don't know. Do you ever watch or you're married, right, John? Yeah, you are. Yep. Uh, do you or does your wife, usually it's the wives, my wife is what got me into them, watch any like the true crime shows where they like have the documentaries with all the different uh, crimes and stuff? Honestly, no. My, my wife doesn't and I, I don't either. And uh, I think, I, I, think I, never, I never got into it because I see so much of the real shit as it is mm -hmm. that watching like those, sh well, I guess those are true crime anyway, but um it, it's just like over it'd be overload for me I, I think i like to watch like some of the big trials of like decades ago like i just okay, recently yeah. watched recently watched like one about the um uh golden state killer i watched uh who is that who is that female that like killed her daughter and got off with it casey anthony yeah i watched that one but it seems like every you you t saying that they compared to this the oj simpson mm -hmm. it seems like everyone yeah. i watch they're like well this was reminiscent of the oj simpson trial it's like every freaking major trial yeah. like publicized trial they say is reminiscent of the oj simpson yeah. trial so are you guys uh you guys uh, you're probably a little younger than me maybe i'm 38 He's forty five. He's an old guy. Okay. Um, you're 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 an old man. What about yeah. you, Craig? I'm thirty. Going to be thirty six, so I'm not much younger. So do you, I mean, I'm sure that you, you both remember, obviously, the uh, the O.J. Simpson yeah. trial. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I actually I was um <clears throat> I had just graduated from high school, and so I was um I was working in a bowling alley, and so they had it streaming on TV the whole day, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I, I I'm <laughs> yeah I got to watch the whole thing. <laughs> I remember I was in, I don't remember which grade, but I was in, you know, fifth or sixth grade or I don't know, who knows, fourth grade, one of those grades. And uh, they stopped school and they wheeled a TV in. Oh, on the TV, for, the magical yeah. TV carts. Yes. yes. Yeah. For everyone to watch the verdict be read. It was, it was not like in hindsight, looking back on that, that's insane. Yeah. Like they See, I, do you, I wonder, it makes you wonder, did um, any of the schools, this last week, I mean, they don't have the magical TV right. carts anymore, yeah. but did any of them, t I wonder if any of them turned on the TV to watch the Derek Chauvin Oh, I'm sure uh, there verdict. were some. Yeah, I'm sure there were some. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I can compare that to is my um, school, my high school played nonstop on the TV's the 9-11 coverage. Oh, okay. Um, I don't remember the O.J. Simpson in school. I yeah. think I might have still been in homeschool at that time. So. Okay. I mean, that would have been, what, you're 10 years younger than me, so you would have been 9. Yeah, so I think I was still in homeschool. So, yeah. yes, I am a weird homeschool victim. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, back to this case, though. Like I said, it would be interesting. I, I want to find out if they played, aired this one. So some I, I, want, I wanted to talk, I had a little bit more about the defense um, in this whole trial because just some of the stuff that was brought up um, was interesting to me. And one of the things that was brought up by the uh, prosecutors was this uh, 
Minneapolis fire um, fire department member, this female, and she, what she said was that she showed up and she wanted to offer to give medical treatment, and one of the officers that was there with Chauvin said, um, her her words were, you would know better if if you're a Minneapolis part of the Minneapolis Fire Department, you would know better than to get involved. To me, mm. that sounds really shitty. Like almost like they got like this this whole like yeah right thing going on. Like you don't mess with what what we got. You know what's going on right. here. You, you don't you know who we it. are. You don't get involved. Yeah, and that's kind of what the prosecution was coming off as and portraying. But then the defense came back and grilled her on this and was saying, "Do you know what the term?" staging means and she's like yeah i do staging is when police show up and there's a medical emergency the fire department stages outside of it until they're called in to deal with it and so he was just going back and forth with her like is it possible that they already called medical personnel and because she wasn't on duty at the time she was just there and so the defense kept grilling her on this like well maybe they because they said they called medical Six minutes before you arrived there, and she's she was getting like really argumentative. I even got to the point where the judge had to stop everything and and look at her and tell her, "You need to stop arguing with him and just answer the questions." Mm. So, um, when I first heard the statement, because um, news media outlets only like to take things out of context, and it sounds like she was initially for the prosecution taking this out of context. So when I first heard this, that was my initial thought was, "Well, that sounds really shady." So had you heard anything about that, John? I actually, actually had not. Um, first, I'm hearing of it now. But it, it, it doesn't – so she showed up in plain plain clothes, I assume, if she was not I, working. Well, I assume, it, yeah, because the, the guy questioned whether or not she was part of Minneapolis Fire Department because he said, if you actually are, then you know to stay not get involved in this. So I'm assuming she was plain clothes and just showed up and said, hey, I'm, part, I'm a fire um, – a member of the fire department i i'm medical ems personnel i can i can help with this i mean it, it, honestly and i'm not you know this isn't like a, this is not my area of expertise but that does not surprise me that they would not want to wait for the emergency help the paramedics that were called rather than just have some you know an undercover not undercover but plain clothes uh firefighter off the street just come up and start giving cpr right I mean, that's that's probably their procedures. Does it does it make it right? No. I mean, if somebody's right there that could assist, probably they should have allowed her to. But yeah. But it sounds to me almost like the prosecution is taking this as, um, basically like they have this like code within their community of um, the public service. There, it's like you know right. not to get involved in our situation here. If you are actually who you say you are, you know not to like overstep your bound. That sounds like what the prosecution is coming off as. And that's kind of what the media has portrayed this as. And when the defense comes back and grills her, it's, it almost sounds like, no, that's not what was going on at all. Right. And, yeah. So there's probably some kind of protocol like you were ta- ta- talking about, mm-hmm. but the way they're trying to twist it is that they were, they were like making it like this, you know, this, this, this kind hush of, hush type thing. Right. Like this is this is how the, the police in Minneapolis work. And you yeah. don't want to get in their business or else you're gonna you'll pay for it. Or this something is like our that. territory. This is right. our 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 thing. Right. Don't Which overstep your back. I mean, like just based on what I know of how this interaction normally goes in most communities, like a lot of the times the firefighters show up first. 
mm-hmm. just because they're able to get there mm-hmm. the quickest. And uh, you have a firefighter. It, it might not be a situation just just like this, but you know, firefighters are, are trained in CPR, and you know they, they can handle themselves. And if they're there first, and they step right in and they do that, um, and then when the paramedics get there, they'll, they'll take over. So I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know either. I just it's always a twist. I mean, obviously, this is how court works. The offense is going to twist it mm-hmm. towards the prosecution. The defense is going to yeah. twist it towards mm-hmm. the defense. Who knows what actually happened there. But the facts of the matter are, and it's undisputed on either side, is Derek Chauvin did hold this guy in this position for nine and a half minutes. It was originally, what, like eight minutes and 43 seconds, and now it's somehow jumped to nine yeah. and a half minutes. Guy became unresponsive, and for three additional minutes, he remained on top of him. That is the fact of the case, whether or not you agree that he intentionally did it or agree that it was an accident and he um, died of an overdose or what have you. Even if he died of an overdose, the guy went limp. Why is he still in this hold? Right. Yeah, that's the most disturbing part of this to me, and the reason why you know, I— perfectly fine with Chauvin spending the rest of his life in prison. If you're kneeling on top of someone and they go unconscious, you know, they went unconscious. Mm -hmm. There's no way you can't know that. So is he thinking, Oh shit, this guy's dead. And I got a crowd watching me and just like maybe the look on his face, you know, when they show the, the video, I'm not sure at what point that was, but Maybe that was a look of, oh, shit, did I just kill this guy? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than a look of, I don't care about this guy's life. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just totally yeah, fucking... Right. I'm, I'm reading minds now, too. We can, we can all <laughs> read minds. We're all freaking mind readers. Well, right. the, the defense comes out and said, well, it was because of the crowds, and they were yelling and threatening him, and he was distracted by the crowds. And um, that's why um, this was allowed to happen, because he was so overly distracted by everything going on, people like threatening him and yelling at him and stuff. It's just like... You're a fucking police officer. Right, yeah. This can't happen. Right. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what your distraction is. And I I was watching the defense grilling this, um, the, the fire department lady, and he was asking her, he was like, is it possible that while you're, if you were giving compressions, is it possible that all the, the noise of the crowd would have distracted you? And she's like, I do my job in burning buildings. You don't right. think that's more distracting than crowds yelling yeah. at me? And so that's when she was starting to get like argumentative mm. and stuff. And the, the judge stopped everything. It was like, hey, you got to stop this yeah. and just answer the damn question. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's your fucking job. I'm sorry if if the pressure gets to you. I mean, you're yeah. a 17, uh, 20 plus year officer. You've seen shit. Yeah. Distraction shouldn't prevent you from <laughs> preserving yeah. somebody's life. Right. That should be your foremost priority. Mm. Yeah. And if they do distract you, I mean, it's like the same argument for, you know, police officers that, well, there was the one police officer that pulled a, pulled a gun and shot and killed someone when they thought they were pulling a taser or you right. hear stories mm-hmm. about officers that, that get flustered yeah. and, and they panic. Sorry. That's not an acceptable no. like, answer. It's totally not yeah. acceptable. Nope. Like you can't say that you were distracted. You just can't. I mean, yeah. if, if that's happening, then. You shouldn't be a cop. Right? And, you should not be a police and, and the lady who did that, she was a trainer. So it really makes you question Minneapolis yeah. PD and right. what they're training people. Yeah, and um, that was a that was another story I wanted to 
ask you about. I, I have a couple of the recent police killings, and that was one of them. But this one happened, what, like 10 miles from the courthouse during this trial going on? That was another thing that made me wonder if maybe having this another high-profile police killing of a black individual had any effect on this trial outcome. Like we said, well, the news media coverage of Biden or Maxine Waters saying what they said, that might have influenced the jury. How much would the plea or the media coverage of this new current one yeah. incident that happened within 10 miles, how would that how do you think that possibly influenced this uh verdict? I mean, it definitely didn't uh calm the situation. I think it's <laughs> one of those things where I mean, the whole all Minneapolis and really the United States was at a, you know, at a nine, you know, ready, yeah, to, right. ready to overflow into riots everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, another killing. Yes. Of, of course that escalated the situation, but how much could it escalate when, when you're already up here? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I don't know. And I mean, in a case like that, I mean, wouldn't have been smarter just to be like, okay, we got his license plate. We know where he lives. We'll pick him up later, you know, instead of like, okay, 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 I'm going to tase him. I'm going to tase him. Shit, I shot him. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I mean, let, let's talk about that that case then. If yeah. I mean, we're already on the topic. Let's let's talk about that ta- that that case there. What was, like, I don't even remember the, the incident. Well, let, like, let, me, let me ask this first. So have, have either of you ever been tased before? I have. No, I have not. What, I, I have not either. What can can yeah. you say? What's it like? What does it feel so, like? So it uh, it, it's different for everybody. So I, I I was working physical security, and we would train with the sheriff department. And so we had to be trained in um, handcuffs, pepper spray, and, and tasing. And um, so we had to get hit by everything. And so, yeah, for me, when I got tased, I mean, it was like every muscle in my body just like like sucked in. I mean, it was like everything just I could not move. Tensed up. And tensed up, and I fell down to the ground, and it's like, and it's like, like you know, I've been hit with 120 at work. Yeah, it's nothing. But but that's nothing compared to this. I mean, that was like this on steroids. Right. Now there was another guy I trained with, and he peed his pants when he got hit with it. I've heard that. Like it will make yeah. you piss your pants. So um, it probably depends on your build. Probably right. depends on your um, like your muscle mass and stuff like that. Like yeah. the the insulation or what whatever. Um, I, I, I don't know. Probably depends if you've been tased before, too. I right, think. yeah. I, I went to high school with a group of kids that, like, a, for fun on, like, a Friday, Saturday night, <laughs> they would just tase each other. Right, yeah. That's nuts. So, so it's like doing drugs. The more times you do it, the, the right. better you, you are. Yeah, you do. You build up a tolerance to it. <laughs> well, you see, like, these, and it probably depends on what you're on, too, because you, you've seen, like, these, like, huge men mm-hmm. that are on whatever drugs, meth or bath salts or whatever, right. that get hit with the taser, they fall down, they jump back up, they, they keep on going, they get hit with another yeah. hit with three or four tasers before they finally <laughs> go right. down because yeah. um, their size and th- then the the effect that drugs are having on them too. Right. So. so, like, to me, a taser is one of those things, and she's, like, using it nonchalantly here, like, oh, yeah, I was going to tase this guy. Yeah. Ends up shooting him and killing him. <laughs> I mean, th- there's the one thing that might have no effect on him, or it might the taser. So people have been killed by a taser. Right. If they have yeah, a pre-existing exactly. condition or something like that. So it's not like it's like this whole wide range of outcomes with a taser. Yeah. It's not very. I, I understand it's a tool that police officers mm-hmm. have, but I feel like, I mean, I feel like they'll use it at the drop of a hat. It's a, I, I do. Yeah, it's a greater unknown than shooting right. with a gun. And, <laughs> and again, the guy had a warrant. 
you know, so, it, you know, was it really necessary to try to incapacitate him right then, right there? Why did they stop him to begin with? Do you, do, do you remember? This is Dante Wright was the person's name. It was a, it was a traffic stop, wasn't yeah, it? Right. Um, yeah, it was like a routine traffic stop, I, th- I yeah, believe. Yeah, he went and got back in his car and started to leave the scene. And she's like, she yelled out, taser, 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 like four or five times. You can see, it's like watching a movie where yeah. you're like, no, don't go through that door because you can clearly yeah. see the Glock well, in her hands, and yeah. it's like, well, no, don't, don't, it, don't. Oh, fuck. It, it's like <laughs> we have a customer. His last name is Weinstein. I continually said in my head, "Do not call this guy Harvey," right? <laughs> but what do I say as I hang up the phone? Thanks, Harvey. And then I'm like, shit. So I <laughs> can't Weinstein. <laughs> I mean, stop raping. Oh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I can imagine her be like, okay. Grab the taser, grab the taser, grab the taser. Crap, I shot him. <laughs> but like you pointed out, she is a trainer there. Right, yeah, she's she trains a trainer. people. They don't, in Minneapolis and most police officers that I've seen, they don't carry them on the same side. Right. So the fact that she even pulled her Glock out instead of the yeah. taser says, I, I mean, I understand the stress. Like, I, I mean, I don't. I understand there's stress there. And people, they'll say, you don't know what it's like to be a police officer in that moment. I don't. No. Again, I don't. But that's where training comes right. in. But and you can't let. But that's stress... not like a life and death moment, right. though. At yeah, least. exactly. That was not a high tension moment. It was a traffic stop. Mm-hmm. Even if the guy ran, that's still not a life or right. death situation. Yeah. It can be like, okay, we got his license plate. We'll go pick him up Which, later. Yeah, like uh, that's another thing. Like, why don't they just let people run? Like, yeah, unless they're right. like a a murderer on yeah. the run. Like, it's like, you know where they're going. Just get him later. And like, the, yeah, the surveillance state we live in right now, you don't think you can't find him yeah. in like a couple hours? Right. Yeah, it makes no sense. But again, the fact that the, the excuse is, I was under pressure right. and I pulled the wrong thing out. Well, first of all, you train for these incidents. You right. train other people for these yeah. incidents. You can't use that as an excuse either way for taking somebody's life. Yeah. Well, and you could see where, I mean, the other guy, the other officer was going to handcuff the guy. And it's like she was training him and she's like, hold on, you know, let, let me show you how to do it. And that's when the guy slipped his cuffs and tried to run. Mm-hmm. And so it's like she kind of <laughs> screwed the pooch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, my question in all this, because they picked her up and charged her. Is there grounds for charging her with anything? What did they end up charging her with? Do you have that? Uh, let me look it up. I, I don't. I mean, I can't imagine it was like anything other than manslaughter. I wouldn't think. Um, I, I think they were going like they were trying to throw the like everything at her. Let's see. Cop charged for shooting black motorist. It says a white former police officer faced her first court appearance in a traffic second degree sp- manslaughter. Okay, so. She got the the she's getting hit with the lowest thing they were charging um Derek Chauvin with. So, yeah, I mean right. I, I I can see manslaughter charges here because yeah. I I I don't know. I think to some extent you have to be held responsible for an oops. It's yeah. not like the the other case I I wanted to bring up was the Micaiah Bryant one where they had a knife and he pulled a gun and he said he was protecting somebody else's life it, that i mean that is a split said second judgment right. call it's like do i pull the trigger take this life yeah. or do i take the risk of her taking somebody else's life that's not the situation here it's not this split second yeah. um decision like somebody might die if i don't do this this was just specifically 
and oops. Right. And I do feel like somebody has to be held <laughs> accountable yeah. for an oops like that. Uh, yeah, well, like the way the way I look at this one, if this was a private citizen doing the exact same thing, thinking that they're firing a taser and firing their gun by mistake, they would, you know, they would be convicted of at oh, least yeah. second degree manslaughter. Yeah. So or, you got to at least do the same thing for a police officers. So I'd be I, I fully support that. Or you yeah. pull out your gun, you're spinning it like a cowboy and it goes off and you shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah, you're going to yeah. get manslaughter charges for that. I mean, yeah. yeah, you didn't intend of shooting your gun. You didn't intend of killing a person, but you did something stupid. Yeah, yeah. That Reckless. ended in somebody's life being taken from them. Yeah. And in this situation, yes, I get that, oh, stress led to her to grab the wrong thing, but that's what you're trained for. You can't have an oops like that. On any other job, if I did something, if I worked at a factory and I hit the wrong button while somebody was in, like working on the machine and it came down and crushed that person, it would be my fault because yeah. I, did, I committed that oops. So in this situation, I'm going to have to side with... The charging her with at least mans with manslaughter. I yeah. I can't say anything else because I don't. Hopefully she wasn't that shitty of a person that she was like I'm going to yell taser 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 enough times so I get off with killing this guy. Hopefully she's not that shitty of an individual. There is that possibility. Yeah, and there's people been arguing that. So that would I mean that that's a whole another level of I mean that's that's almost demonic right there. Yeah, right really. Just, like, oh well, yeah, she's yeah. done this three other times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. How many I mean, if it does come out that she's yelled taser four times and shot somebody with her Glock each time. Then maybe charge her with murder because this is this is a, an issue. But if this is her only time in the ten years plus she's worked there, yeah, hit her with manslaughter because you almost gotta be like, Okay, who who who's everybody that she's trained and let's bring them back. <laughs> yeah. Let let's start from square one here yeah. because clearly she's doing something wrong. Right. So then let's take a look then at the, the Micaiah Bryant case with the the whole knife and stuff because we we talked about this over the weekend. Um and then the, all the publicity surrounding this, the protests started immediately uh, LeBron James came out and posted the picture of the officer and said, you're next. And um, all this stuff saying, well, LeBron James is calling for violence, all this bullshit. Um, what do you think of this issue? You, there's clear camera footage. This is probably the fastest body cam footage has ever come out because this was released like, like two days later. Right. Yeah. Um, whether or not she was being attacked or like beat up by some other people, she pulled a knife out and was like charging at people with a knife and the cop shows up and arrives on the scene and that is what is happening. He pulls his gun and shoots her. Justified? Yeah, so so this one the first headline I well first, I see everything on Twitter, you know, the first time you see it. Yeah. And it was somebody posting like the the you know the the tweet was I can't believe that another black woman uh, was just gunned down. Apparently they called the police and they were walking out to greet the police with a knife in their hand. And then the police shot them. So it's crazy wow. how like, wow, like that was the initial spin of the story. Yeah. I forget who tweeted that out or maybe that was like a retweet or something, but it, obviously, <laughs> mm -hmm. as you said, it was not that at all. Right. Um, very high stress situation. Um, a, a, a fight happening. 
um, a, a knife pulled, life in danger. Uh, she knocks over one girl and she has the knife out about to looking like she's going to stab another girl who's pinned against the car. And I mean, the cops, they, I mean, this is one of the times where the cop did his job. I mean, I think, right. Yeah. And you know, we've seen it from different angles and, and you're right. I mean, I think this is I think like if something, if a crime like this happens in a neighborhood, like every house, my house doesn't have one yet. I should probably get a ring camera so I can watch <laughs> the neighbors like everybody else. But every house has one of these now. So like if anything happens in the middle of the street, it's like you're going to have angles from everywhere. Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, it's, it's it's clear what happened. And it's an unfortunate situation. This girl had a tough life. You know, look, looks like her mom, who was not there for her, which put her into foster care. Now her mom suddenly, you know, is is there, uh, you know, speaking out for her. This is just a sad situation. Obviously, uh, you know, this girl had mental issues and who knows what else was going on in that household. Yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, it's just sad. I mean, I think I don't think the cops in the wrong, though, at all. No, no, no this is one. I, I feel like this is one of the more cut and dry ones. It's like, yeah, I, I understand that a police officer shot another black individual, but at in some cases it's justified. Yeah, there I mean, what do you do? Like you got people that are claiming, well, they should have shot her in the leg or they should have shot up in the air. It's just like Right. What no, I mean you, you pull out a gun, you you shoot to kill. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just crazy, like, the people that aren't there, and this is one of the cases where I go, I, I can justify, if you're not there, you can't really say much about it, because the people are that are, the people that are saying all these things are probably people that have never shot a gun in the first place to mm -hmm. begin with. It's like the same people that, like, cry out against gun rights or cry out against, or pro-gun control. It's usually people that have never shot a gun. The people that are saying, oh, an AR-15 uh, is capable of shooting fully auto 100 rounds in like 60 seconds and blah, blah, blah. It's the, the people that don't know what they're talking about. And for you to stand up and say, well, why don't you just shoot the gun in the air like a fucking cowboy? Well, first of all, that's not responsible right. on its own because where is that bullet going to exactly. come down? It's at? That's coming not, down somewhere. Yeah, that that's not responsible. What's Second that movie. Have you guys seen uh, that movie, The Mexican? Mm -mm. Yes. Yeah, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah. Well, there, there's the one scene where they're they're down in Mexico, and uh, they're coming out of a bar, and it's like some holiday in Mexico, and everyone's shooting their guns up in the air. <laughs> then all of a sudden, the one guy just drops dead. And he's like, oh, "What the fuck happened?" Then he then he hears the rest of the bullets coming down around him, so scrambling for cover. Yeah. But yeah, you shoot, you shoot up in the air, they're they're gonna land. Yeah, and, uh, what goes up must come down. <laughs> but people who, and Joe Biden talked about this during the campaign. Yeah, it infuriates me. Yeah, infuriates me to no end because anyone who's taken any sort of firearms training knows that. I mean, when you pull. A gun. Number one, I mean, that is a life or death situation when, when yeah. you are pulling a gun to defend yourself. Right. And the only time, the only time that you fire that gun is if your life is in danger. And if your life is in danger, the only way to defend that life is to shoot at center mass and yeah. try to take to take the target down. Right. Um, now, in this situation, it wasn't the police officer's life in danger. It was another individual's life in danger. So you know, they say shooter in the leg, you shoot her in the leg, she could still stab the person. That's right. one outcome. So then you have two people dead, possibly, because you shoot yeah. her in the leg and she could still bleed out. 
um because you have the uh, what's the major artery the uh, femoral artery yeah, that yeah, runs right. through the leg um so this it's it's, it's asinine and nothing yeah. infuriates me more than that oh just just shoot him yeah. in the Come leg on, man yeah. just shoot him in the leg. or i actually saw people that I, that posted well you're a freaking 200 some pound police officer you couldn't um Right. Yeah. Like go go disarm her. Dis like yeah, just um incapacitate yeah. her. You can just go incapacitate her. It's like yeah, and then I risk getting stabbed or somebody else get risk getting stabbed. It's <laughs> like there's no winning no anymore. Like it doesn't matter if he hadn't shot and I think you said this at one point, if he yeah. hadn't shot her and she killed another uh black teenager there they there would be outcry that a police officer stood by while another black teenager was killed and didn't do anything about it i mean there's no winning when it comes to stories like this i mean protect and serve is the is the motto again we come back to this protect and serve at some point protecting and serving means you you gotta (laughs) it's and i mean if you again like john had said with the um with the uh, lady who you know, shot instead of tased. You know, if it was a private citizen, this person would probably be held up as a hero. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, good point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, um, somebody sees a brawl and, and somebody pulls out a knife and yeah. starts s- stabbing at people, and a private citizen with who um, has a concealed carry license pulls out a gun and stops the incident. Right. Hero. Right. Well, you do have that crowd of people who are saying, you know, it's just a couple of girls having a knife fight. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Let's not blow I, this out of proportion, guys. Come on. I did read that, but I thought that was a joke. I thought this was like a parody or like yeah. a or like satire. No sense to get involved. It's just a knife fight between friends. <laughs> so that was a real statement by people, like uh, people. Yes, there's people actually saying that. Because it, ba- it was basically it like it seems it seems real. I, it was, it was basically like, well, back in my day, kids just got knife fights all the time. And it's just like, where the yeah. hell did you grow up? <laughs> because I, mean, I, I have heard stories like well, back in the you know 1950s, you know, <laughs> everyone in high school, all the boys would carry a knife. And occasionally you'll, there'll be like a knife fight. But that was a long fucking time ago. Yeah, I don't right. think that's still happening. Yeah. yeah. We don't just have people getting <laughs> shanked on the streets with, a, and with no yeah. repercussion. It's not just like a, a high school fight. When the knives come out, I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah. it, it's a problem. Yeah. And there was that, I don't even have the name of the kid, but this was recent too. I forgot about this one. The kid that pulled an airsoft pistol, oh, pointed yeah. at a cop, and then the cop shot him once. And then he pulled out and he like starts to get up and pulls out a knife and the cop kills him and people were outraged about that. Well, it's just an airsoft pistol. I don't know if you've seen any airsoft pistols. I actually have mine sitting here. I I showed this on our show. Did, would you distinguish this from an airsoft pistol or an actual gun? Yeah, that's it looks like it. It's spe- like an actual gun, especially yeah. in the heat of a moment, like. Um, you point that at a cop, you're not going to know the difference between an airsoft pistol or not. So when it comes to outrage like that, it's like you got to pick it. Does an... that gun have the, the orange thing on the no. tip? No. no. I mean, it's a BB gun. It's not tip, an actual airsoft okay. gun. This is like, this is just a BB gun. No orange, no nothing. You point this at a cop or anybody else, you're not going to know the difference. Right. So again, it like I started to say, you have to pick... Your outrage. You have to pick the battle of where the outrage comes from. Because I think I said it yesterday on our weekend show. 
it gets watered down when you start throwing some of these justified things like this this knife killing or this knife incident or the airsoft pistol if we if we throw throw this all into the name of oh police injustice and stuff then the whole story of police injustice gets watered down drastically because people can point Mm -hmm. at those and be like well you're crying this but then over there you're crying about a girl that wanted to stab somebody or a kid that wanted to was pointing in a realistic looking gun at a police officer yeah yeah it seems like the cases that are like the most cut and dry like well brianna taylor is one that was cut and dry that was good that that got a lot of media attention yeah and uh I mean, the, 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 the outcome though, it was, you know, it was obviously not, not what we wanted with cops not being held accountable, mm-hmm. but I mean, another one cut and dry with another no knock raid, Duncan Lemp, which that's just gone away. Like mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the body cam footage never came out. No, Basically course. they just haven't talked about it. What mm-hmm. happened there. And for people who don't know, Duncan Lemp, Lemp, that was, uh, was Virginia, was a Virginia or Maryland. I always get those two States confused. One of the two, and that was a no-knock raid where Duncan Lemp and his pregnant girlfriend are asleep in bed, and he gets shot laying in bed. Uh, cops raid the house, allegedly because of uh, some that he was part of the, the Boogaloo movement and okay. had made some uh, made some posts hmm. about. Uh, and that's why he got swept under the rug. Like yeah, he was a white guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that I mean. Not to further incite like racial division, but I mean that it goes away as quick as it it pops up. What was that case last week where BLM showed up to like a police shooting, then found out it was a white guy, and they're just like, "Meh, fuck it," and they just like left. <laughs> the story just goes away. Yeah. So yeah. I I mean like but like I was saying though when you're when you're being outraged about every single incident, I get that there is problems with the police mm-hmm. system. We've talked about it last time you were on the show. There are problems with the police system. Mm-hmm. But when you make everything out to be this big, giant issue, it, it turns into the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. It, it waters down the whole thing. It's like you got to pick the ones to to have outrage about because— a justified killing of somebody that was about to stab someone. Right. If you want to come out and post your Twitter posts or or whatever as a celebrity, it's like you get you're gonna have no credibility when the next thing pops up and it's an actual incident and you have to post something on Twitter to to cry out against it. Which I I don't know why Twitter has become the the ple <laughs> the. I, I did something good for this whole movement by posting on Twitter. That's just kind of become a thing now. So, um, but it, it well, just completely waters it down. It's I think there's there's no there's really no leadership for this for this uh, Black Lives Matter for this uh, you know police reform or you want to call it right. abolishing the police movement there's people just looking to profit all yeah. the money from, you know, black lives matter that was donated uh, before the president pres- presidential election went into act blue, which went into the, you know, democratic coffers went I'm, into the I'm glad Biden we're not campaign. the only ones talking about that <laughs> went into uh, the one black lives matter founder just bought a gig- gigantic house somewhere. Her too. fourth. 
Her, her fourth gigantic house, <laughs> which we reported on this, like, f- was a $4 million mansion. Yeah. And then immediately after we reported, we talked about it on our show, that same day it came out, this was her fourth giant house that she yeah. bought. So it, it, She's just looking out for her family, though. Yeah, right, oh, right. Yes. Obviously. When I saw Brianna uh, Taylor's family and, and uh, is it Michael Brown's family both came out and was like, we don't know where the money went. I mean, yeah. BLM was supposed to help out. They they took the money and ran. Yeah, yeah and, and they haven't. I mean, if you could just, if they could just focus in on one freaking issue, yeah. like, you know, let's push at ending the war on drugs. Let's push right. at ending uh, qualified immunity and just focus on it. But instead, you, you get like no focus. Yeah. You just get this it's generic just... outrage. Yeah. Well, if you blow and look... burning shit, burning shit down and then. Now, I mean, you have the end of the, the George Floyd trial. Chauvin's convicted. People think they won, yeah. and everything's just gonna. It's just gonna go back until waiting for the next outrage. Right. Oh, and yeah. the cycle yeah. repeats. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a money grab, is what it is. But talking about the focus of BLM, it's not even just about like police outrage. Like if you look at their, um, their, <laughs> what they want. I know their list of what they oh, want. Right, their mission statement. Yeah, their mission statement. It comes down to like, um, there's trans rights in there. There's like abolishing like the paternal family, the, the nuclear family, the nuclear family in there. It's just a. It's like shooting a free, like freaking birdshot, and seeing yeah. what you can hit. And there, there's absolutely zero focus on it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I saw that I thought was absolutely ridiculous with um, it was all this talk about the Asian hate. And it was a BLM post, and it was like, um, it was like, uh, like Asian lives um, protect Asian lives, but then it said that Black lives still matter. <laughs> it's like, um, oh. aren't you kind of taken away from your message? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the whole all lives matter that popped up at no, the yeah, same time. That was that. a bad thing, but but we can say Asian lives matter, but Black lives still matter. Right. It's. It, I mean it. I I see that the at, and we've said this before at the local level, Black Lives Matter probably has good intentions, but at the upper echelons of it, mm-hmm. I I don't see good intentions. It's a money grab, like I said. Yeah. It's there's a far deeper agenda involved than just like police reform mm-hmm. or just protecting Black lives or um whatever uh like human rights and things like that there there's a far deeper agenda and it, it it it's disgusting and it's gross that um they are declaring it as one thing but then the money just like you said filters out to all these other different causes yeah. that have nothing to do with black lives matter yeah and people are people are shipped in from other cities into these areas to to riot and to burn shit down and uh, these local businesses are left just holding the bag. And I it's mean, usually they say, oh, they don't have insurance. Insurance doesn't mean you go back to freaking like right. normal, like you mm-hmm. were the day it happened. It's like, have you like, ever dealt with insurance? <laughs> and a lot of times, nine <laughs> yeah. times out of ten, it's the black communities that they're affecting. Yeah, it's the the people that they're supposed yeah. to be supporting. They're affecting directly. They're not going. I I could see. I'm not saying I justify, but I could see them going and burning down a police station or going and like, God forbid, blowing up like a government building or something like that. Like back in the, the 60s and 70s with uh, what the was that? The Weather Underground. The Weather Underground. They would like intentionally blow up 
places that actually were symbols of the things that we're fighting against. But burning down your own communities, yeah. what does that help? Right. So yeah, it's it's it, it the people it's people turning on turning on the uh, their own power, their yeah. own. I mean, their own economy, their yeah. their own. It's 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 craziness, and uh, this kind of ties in loosely. But it's crazy to think back, like how upside down things are right now. Where when you look back to uh, like the Occupy Wall Street movement, which I didn't totally agree with, you know what they stood for, mm-hmm. but you had to respect like their message at least what they were what they were pointing towards as the problem. I don't agree with their solution. Yes, but as the problem being, you know, these these huge you know huge banks who are manipulating the economy, who are corrupt, who are picking winners and losers and who, you know, are criminals and, and not being held accountable, you know, calling out for, uh, you know, the 99% or the 99.9% against this, you know, this top uh, 0.1%. And somehow the media and the Democrat party have managed to ah, stop looking over there. Don't worry. Don't worry. Those banks, they'll take their diversity training. They're fine. Don't worry about them. Yeah. And let's all, let's all turn our focus, focus over here, people. Yeah. Let's look at, uh, let's tear apart our own communities. Yeah. Let's not look at these big banks who are robbing you blind. Yeah. And I mean, it begs to question And obviously we all probably think this begs to question how intentional is it that they are, focusing on destroying the local community level. Mm-hmm. So then the local communities are shittier than they already right. are. Even more rage. People are put into worse positions than they already are, so it becomes a bigger issue, so things get more out of hand, and then they can point the finger, well, this is their fault over there, the people that we're protesting against, why our communities are the way they are, just to um, create more divide than we had <laughs> before the incident happened. Yeah. It's a good, good point. So, yeah, I mean, and you couple in with that, with the riots that happened in these communities, the lockdowns, mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have certain, especially urban areas that are just like urban deserts where there's going right. to be nothing. Yeah. And uh, is it intentional? I have to think that some, I mean, this, this money is being funneled from somewhere. I don't know mm-hmm. who's, who's behind it, but it's come from somewhere. Yeah. And, I mean, we can go off on so many rabbit trails with this, like, the whole concept of, like, rebuilding and, re- and like, urbanizing us mm-hmm. with, like, the Green New Deal and all this stupid bullshit. We can go mm-hmm. so many trails with this, be like, well, maybe this is the intention yeah. to tear down the urban <laughs> societies and build them up to what they want them to be and then put us all in these urban like freaking cages or what yeah. what have you. Um, we can go so many trails with this, but that is not what this episode is for. We're about out of time for tonight, and we've kept you for quite a while. Um, kind of want to just kind of re- swing back to the Chauvin trial just to get some maybe final opinions on this whole Derek Chauvin trial. If this was, and we, we've talked about this with the other two cases, if this was a um, a civilian that did this, does he get convicted? If it was just a cut and dry, no publicity, no police reform, none of that stuff applies. Just one person knelt on the back of this guy, put him in this hold whatever for whatever reason, um, whether he was fighting back or not. The guy ended up dying. Um, 
He stayed on his body after he went unresponsive for three-plus minutes afterwards. Does he get convicted for second, third, and second manslaughter? Does he get all these convictions? If it's a civilian that does it? Yeah. It's just, I guess it's hard for me to imagine. So it's just like you're saying like like a like a fight breaks out or something? Sure. Or sure. maybe a, say somebody I, I mean, was... I guess you could see it. So yeah, I guess to set it, yeah, to kind of yeah, say maybe it's a drug deal gone bad or maybe a drug, you know, turf war or something like that. Um, what would probably happen based on my experience in the criminal justice system interviewing people is not necessarily with the, you know, the individual who committed the murder, they might not even get taken down. Probably they would be used to, uh, you know, look into their network to tap in to see who else they could arrest. Mm -hmm. And they would try to take that one person and turn it in from, uh, you know, one arrest into 50 arrests mm -hmm. if they could sure that's probably what would happen to be honest that's yeah, interesting that i never even thought about that yeah maybe um do, but do you think do you think he gets convicted in any way even if not the case do you think there's any case for second degree man or second degree murder if it's wasn't this big ordeal that it was um hard to even i mean it's hard to even like imagine it because like when i think of this case my it just comes back to that video and seeing it's like the visual of it yeah and so that's like, where if you don't say like right. if you don't have that visual right if you don't have that visual in the video um i think yeah i think this ends differently i don't think he gets uh so if you don't have the visual of the video and all the riots that happened uh, yeah, I, 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 he probably walks. I think he probably walks. You put a whole different scenario in my head now because I'm thinking, okay, these two guys work together at a club. All right. So what if Chauvin was somehow involved in the drugs Which that, is possible. Highly that possible. Floyd got a hold of and Shit. he killed Floyd because he didn't want Floyd to come back and rat on him? God Holy damn. Holy shit. God damn. <laughs> right? You just blew this open. Right? <laughs> Talk about rabbit trails. Yeah, we got to do another hour next week. <laughs> yes, obviously. But it, yeah, like you, like you mentioned, the videos. If it wasn't for the videos, no, the guy walks, and that's what a lot of these jurors, a lot of the the case came down to was the videos and their feelings and and things like that. And that comes back to convicting off of feelings. Like, yes, it looked like the guy was being a piece of shit, and he was being a piece of shit doesn't no evidence of his intentions though so but, um, but really in this day and age with technology being what it is how can you totally sequester a jury how can you isolate them from any and all information i mean there's just no way to do it well i said i said this guy has no shot of a fair trial when the city came out and paid the family of george floyd tens of millions of dollars for right. his death because that was just admitting guilt immediately they should have waited and solved and like <laughs> pursued uh, civil penalties or civil payments after the fact. So this guy, so it doesn't look like the police station is or the city is admitting guilt because as soon as you pay out to them for wrongful death, it already right. showed you're already admitting guilt right there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and typically See, I, I'm just so distracted by the fact that we might have uncovered a. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna have to go there. We're gonna have to get there. 
Well, I top drug scheme here that Chauvin well, just just took out just to. Well, now maybe the organization is still going because uh, Chauvin killed George Floyd. Right? Yeah, interesting. We're, we're going to have to dig into that. We're going to have to get our um, private sleuths. That's a that's a term I found from um, the the true crime stories is private sleuths or civilian sleuths. They're like the 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 nerds that just follow all the like case files. They're not police officers. They're not like detectives or anything. They're just the nerds that sit down with all the case files and like Google and stuff like that and try to figure it out on the on their own. So we're gonna have to turn into private civilian sleuths and yeah. and solve this freaking uh, <laughs> Derek Chauvin the drug whole, ring. The whole cartel in out of Minneapolis. Yes. Well, I think that I think we'll close it out on that note because we're going to get way off the rails really fast. And unless you have like two more hours to talk about that, um, we better just wrap Not this tonight. thing up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll no. have to look into it real quick, um, John. So Chauvin conviction, does anything change with law enforcement nationally, locally? I mean, does, has anything changed or is this just a, a thumb in the dam? It's a good question. Um, I think a lot has changed in, I think you're going to see police officers either leaving the force or ones that would have tried to go into the force, not do it anymore. And I think that's kind of, that's a good and bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, I would prefer it for different reasons that the force is shrinking, um, you know, preferably less laws requiring less officers. Right. But you know, I, I think you've had it. You've had a change in the risk profile, right? And where police officers, like you, like we were just talking about, how you know, if there were different different circumstances here, and there wasn't a video, and with the nature of the times, everything's on video now. But say there was no video here, uh, you know, a police officer, I don't know if got away with, or that probably is the right word, would have gotten away with this, mm. and. But that's not to say that that in the future, and like we just talked about with the, uh, um, what's the what's the name of the girl who was uh, oh, with Micaiah, the knife, Micaiah Bryant, yeah, Micaiah Bryant, yep. With a situation like that, something like that, probably the cop. I don't know if he would have been looked at as a hero, but that probably might have made the news. But it would have made the news in a positive light for at least the officer, right. you know, mm -hmm. saving someone else's life. So you've had this shift in the risk profile for police officers where there is way less benefit, way more risk. Um, and, you know, I'm not a pro cop guy. I'm, I'm very far from pro cop guy, but I think it's unhealthy the way that this is flipping right now. Mm. Um, it, it, I mean, it could flip in a healthy way with the risk profile changing, but I think the way this has changed, it's not good because you're going to have police officers on edge even more in situations, which mm. if you're, when you're not acting confidently and when you're not, even if it's things I disagree with, mm -hmm. even if it's a drug bust or a traffic light stop, um, when you're not acting confidently and going out about your business the way that you are, you know, think is the, is the, uh, the proper way to do it. When you're looking over your shoulder, that's more likely when mistakes are to happen and more likely when more people already get killed and this can really snowball even more so out of control. So, and then you factor in also with more risk, you would think pay would go up, pay is probably not going to go up. So as people 
it's going to attract people on the force who are maybe a little more reckless mm. and uh, maybe not the smartest people right. who maybe don't have many other job opportunities uh, filling these police roles. And then you get even, even more of a clusterfuck. So I don't know. That's a lot to unpack. I don't know if that made sense, but no, definitely. Yeah. No, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, right now it doesn't see, seem like there is a winning strategy because yeah. you defund the police or decrease the police. Like you said, defunding the police like, well, as I said earlier, will just lead to less training, and like you said, will just lead to more incidents like this. Ramping up the police will just lead to more um, outcry for um, <laughs> downgrading the police. So, where do you go from here? There's, there's really not yeah. <laughs> a really winning strategy, especially not a short-term winning strategy. It's got to be a long-term, um, like, let's set goals and work for these goals. Because it's not going to happen overnight, and if we just downgrade the police force overnight, I mean, shit's just going get, to get out of control, hands down. So that's, I mean, I think that's a good spot to to cut this off, just because um, of time restraints. I we could we could talk about this all night. We could talk about all these other incidences that we've brought up, or all these rabbit trails that you got us on, Bill. But. Um, we we've taken up enough of your time. We've we've kind of unpacked a little bit about this trial and some of the other th situations. And again, we could go so much deeper with this. There's so many different layers that led to this. Right. Like this is just a a symptom of a much greater issue. Whether that's over policing, militarized police, like bad training, or or who who knows what. But um. The, this is just a symptom, and we, we have to get to the root of it, or things won't ever change. But, John, thanks again for coming on. Um, it's always a pleasure having you on. Let us know where, we, let everybody know where we can find you or find out more information about your podcast or everything you got going on. Yeah. Well, you can go to uh, just any place you listen to podcasts, just put in Lions of Liberty, Lion Like the Animal. And uh, my show is Finding Freedom, publishes every Thursday. So it's the show that has the, the FF, um, then the episode number uh, in front of the title. And uh, like I said, this week I'll be interviewing a guy in India. So you want to hear about COVID in India, which oh, is wow. spiraling out of control and yes. the lockdowns there. Cra crazy shit has happened in India. I mean, there's what 1.7 billion people. I live there. Yeah. We yeah. live there, I think. And uh, what they did when they, when they locked down, they gave a four hour notice so you had all of these laborers in cities walking hundreds of miles back to their villages with children. And it, it was a complete disaster. But Holy if you want to hear shit. about that, check that out. Um, this Thursday, uh, run your mouth coffee. If you like coffee, if you like freedom of speech, like uncensored speech. I know that uh, uh, Craig and Bill have been uh, have been sponsoring, uh, running some ads for run your mouth coffee. Yeah. Good yes. stuff. And uh, you can go to rymcoffee.com and put in code break the bell for 10% off. So appreciate uh, patronizing that business. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. We uh, plug your coffee every single week. Um, our mantra is if you like coffee as much as you like freedom, drink your coffee. I like that. I should, I'm going to steal yeah. that. And, and then, then we take a drink of coffee and we're like, mm, tastes like freedom. Yep. So <laughs> we're going to let you get out of here, John. Thanks again for having you, for coming on. Um, it's always a pleasure, especially when it comes to 
cases like this, I mean, we're not, I mean, you're definitely into criminal justice, but we're not experts on anything. Yeah. We don't claim to be, so we like to get other people's opinions on this. So thanks for uh, taking your time out of your night to come on our show once again. Yep, definitely, right. John. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it, and it was a uh, good conversation. Left me definitely. something to think about. I got a whole other <laughs> parallel path yeah. to go down. Not going to be able to sleep tonight now, are you, John? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> All right, every- All right, guys. We'll All see right. you. Bye, All John. right, thanks again, John. Everybody, have a great week. Check us out again next week at 7 Central Time, as long as we don't have a, a guest that – yeah. says otherwise um for that live edition otherwise check us out this week for the weekend wrap-up check us out all over social media share us around like shares all that stuff that that gets us um attention and and more views because that's how we get our name out there otherwise we'll see you here you here back next week have a great week peace bye peace they'll break the bell podcast is brought to you by you So pat yourself on the back, because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and Justin. A shout-out to our sponsors, Goulash Media. On the run with Remzo W. Martinez Podcast and Banzot Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next time. Let us continue to invade your ear holes and as always, never stop talking.